0: Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. All right, good morning. Did I hear someone say yay? That was awesome. That was awesome. Good. I didn't do that bad last time. No, that's good. No, I, my name is Ben Till. I'm one of the Lighthouse elders who, who serves at Bluffton Community, which is why I'm rocking this shirt. I always get trouble for this shirt. They're like, that's not an L. I know that. Um, I actually don't have a Lighthouse shirt. Plug, plug. Oh, need, a, need a shirt, right? No. Um, but I'm super glad to be back with you uh, again today. Um, we're in week three of our, our series, Face to Face. It's not really a new series anymore because we're almost done with it. We got one more week next week uh, with Larry coming to talk to you um, about the fourth member. Um, but this morning, we're going to be focused on Timothy, as the video said. Um, Timothy is, is a very well-known figure. He's probably the most well-known of the four uh, that we were focusing on in this round of the face-to-face. We've talked about Barnabas and Rahab so far. Next week, we're going to talk about the unnamed man from Luke 8, um, and Larry's got some good stuff about that. Um, but today, we're focused on Timothy And like I said, his name appears about 28 times throughout the New Testament, starting in Acts 16, when Paul is on his second missionary journey. It's likely that Paul and Timothy ran into each other on uh, Paul's first missionary journey. Uh, Timothy heard the gospel there, uh, became a believer, and then started to grow in his faith. And then the second time that Paul came around, He had seen someone who had grown into a man that others looked to, someone that was a clear leader and had some genuine faith that we'll talk about here in a little bit. All right. Uh, Timothy was directly involved in 30 percent of the New Testament, either as a writer or as a recipient. Uh, he helped write six of the epistles that, that are linked to Paul. Um, a couple of those he has specifically mentioned, others that um, he's kind of alluded to in that. And then like I said, we're going to be reading from one of the two letters that he received from Paul as encouragement. He led churches all around the Aegean Sea, which is the body of water in between modern-day Greece and modern-day Turkey. Um, four of those churches um, are, are specifically uh, going to be talked about here in a little bit, but one of them, uh, the Church of Ephesus, was a very intimidating place. Um, and, and so that's going to be one of those things that we're going to kind of learn a lot about who Timothy was by, by focusing on that. Um, he led the churches at Corinth, Philippi, Thessalonica, and Ephesus. As I was uh, studying for this, uh, this, this message in, in talking to my wife, Sarah, um, I referred to Timothy as Paul's closer, okay? And what I mean by that is, is those movies where um, something really bad happens, like somebody gets kidnapped, it, it maybe a child or a loved one, um, and, and everybody's sitting around and they're trying to figure out what to do. Um, they're usually pretty desperate, and then one person kind of raises their hand and be like, hey, I have a friend from high school, and uh, he was like a Navy SEAL, and, and now he just kind of sits around and waits for people to call him in situations like this. Uh, sh- should I call that guy? And, and they all look at him like, yes, Kenneth, you should call that guy. He sounds perfect. Uh, they press one button on their phone because obviously they've got this guy in their favorites. He answers it, gets zero information to help him with the mission. He shows up and saves the day. It's usually like Denzel Washington or uh, Liam Neeson or The Rock or somebody, okay? Um <laughs> But those are the types of people that when, when, when no one else has the answers, when no one else has the strength to step up and save the day, they come right in. The movies are all the same, and they're all great, okay? They're, they're predictable, and I love them, all right? Um, but as I was reading about Timothy, that's the type of character that I noticed. That's the type of person that I saw in, in the person that Paul would call when he needed someone to speak the truth, when he needed someone uh, to share his genuine faith with other people. Now, the other thing that I saw is that Paul would continually tell Timothy to be bold. He would cont- continually encourage him uh, not to be ashamed. That has sometimes led me to believe something that I don't know that is necessarily true about Timothy. Um, that, and we'll call, we'll talk about that when we get to verse seven. Um, but I always kind of thought Timothy was maybe kind of a, a fearful, timid kid. Well, and there there may have been reason for that. There was a lot of negativity surrounding Timothy. He was too young. He was too Jewish. He wasn't Jewish enough. He was too Greek. He wasn't Greek enough, okay? There was all sorts of of these negativities and falsehoods around him. But Paul continued to feed him the truth. The truth was his identity was found in Christ, not in anything that he was or could do. The truth is Timothy was the perfect messenger. He knew exactly what those people needed, whether they were Jewish or Gentile. He was Jewish and he was Gentile. He could speak to both crowds and both crowds could connect to him in a way that others couldn't. He knew the Hebrew scriptures because of his mother and his grandmother. Quick shout out to mothers and grandmothers in the room. Don't ever think that those those, times before bed where you're reading Bible stories and you're reading the accounts from scripture, you're saying those prayers. Don't ever think that those things are falling on deaf ears. Timothy is a perfect example of a kid whose dad didn't didn't really back up the faith that his mom and his grandma were sharing with him, but yet he grew up to be a believer with genuine faith who, as we will see, um, did some amazing things because of the Holy Spirit that was in him. Despite all of the qualities that he had, the true authority came from that Holy Spirit. It came from the genuine faith that he had. Timothy was able to take on challenges of being a leader in some of the most challenging New Testament churches of Greece and Asia Minor. The best part is that power that he relied on is the same power that we rely on. That power is the Holy Spirit that comes to us through faith in, his son, in God's Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray before we move on. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. You know exactly what we need before we ever know we need it. This is why you told us that it's better for you to leave so that you could send the advocate to guide us into all truth, to convict us of sin, and to lead us into righteousness. Father, what a good gift you have given us in your spirit. Help us this morning to feel your presence here as we worship you through the reading of your scripture, through singing, through prayer. Even more, help us to listen to your spirit as we take your truth into this world. Father, there's so many false teachers, so many lies that are swirling around, trying to deceive us, trying to distract us. Those things are especially dangerous to people who don't know you yet. Lord, help us who do know you, who possess your spirit, to boldly proclaim your truth to the world in order to set them free from sin as only you can. Amen. So as we said before, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 5 through 7. Some of these verses may be very well known uh, to some of you in here. Uh, Some of the other ones that we're going to talk about may be a little bit more new. Um, But like I said, verse 7 is something we're going to talk about in a little bit. That's probably the most well-known verse. And and sometimes when we take that out of context, it can teach us something that I don't know that it was supposed to. So hopefully today, as we'll see um, by looking at some of the surrounding verses, this, this verse is a very powerful verse for us to keep as a reminder and help us understand who Timothy was. Verse 5 says this, I remember your genuine faith. This is Paul talking to him. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love, and self-discipline. So there are three observations that that I made uh, as I was studying through Timothy. Some of them came from this passage here. Um, Some of them came from some of the other passages that that we'll read about um, that speak to Timothy as well. The first is this, Timothy possessed genuine faith says in verse five, I remember your genuine faith for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. Like I said before, it's likely that, this, that he got called by Paul to follow him and become a disciple during the second missionary journey. It is very, it is very um, you know, commonly thought that when Paul first came through, he preached the gospel, Timothy was in the crowd, Uh, His mother and his grandmother were in a crowd. They heard the truth. They knew the Hebrew scriptures. They were able to do what Paul did and back up the gospel with the Old Testament prophecies and say, yes, that's, that's exactly who we've been waiting for. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. By the time Paul came back through, Timothy had grown up. Okay. He was probably in his 20s, early 20s by this point, um, but he had become someone that not only the people in his town, but the people in the surrounding areas had looked to. Um, so even before Paul came, Timothy was, was taking on leadership positions, and people respected him, even though he was pretty young. We also know that, like I said earlier, that his dad was Greek. We know that because in Acts, when, when it talks about uh, who Timothy was, um, it says, but his dad was a Greek. And it's kind of like one of those, oh, you know, like kind of takes the the wind out of the sails. Um, And and there's some other details in there that kind of show that even though his his mother and his grandmother were very strong in their faith, um, the dad was probably kind of pushing back on some of those things. Um, I'll let you read through some of those in in Acts 16. Um, But it's pretty clear uh, the dad wasn't on board. Dad may not have even been around anymore. Um, But this meant... That, that Timothy really kind of dove into what his mother and what his grandmother were, were teaching him. He really understood, he really believed, and Paul saw that in him, and Paul knew that he could trust him. Genuine faith made Timothy a natural choice. Paul knew that he could trust Timothy to do the work of the gospel and take the truth to many in the Macedonian region. The second observation that I came up with was that Timothy was a dear friend We'll see that he was probably even more than that for for Paul, um, but a companion and an encouragement. There's several verses um, that we'll look at here, but I wanted to back up two verses before our main passage for today. So in verses three and four, Paul says this, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Day and night, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. So Timothy would read that, that, those words. He, he got this letter from Paul who was in jail. Man, what a, what a good gift that would have been. Okay? Now, it's also like this sweet and tender moment where it's like these two dudes pray, like, prayed together and cried together as they left each other. Like, I don't have too many friends like that, but the few that I have, are dear and sweet. A um, couple other verses that we look to here, okay? Verse, or, uh, 1 Corinthians 4.17, Philippians 2.22, 1 Timothy 1.2, 1 Timothy 1.18, 2 Timothy 1.2, they're on the screen behind me here. These all speak to the fact that Paul not only looked at Timothy as someone that he, he loved and trusted as a friend, he looked at him as like his own son, and we know that Paul didn't have kids of his own, um, so Timothy would have been a dear, dear person um, that he would have truly missed when he wasn't around him. We see that again in Second Timothy four nine. It says this: "Make every effort to come to me soon." Paul again is writing to him uh, from jail at this time. the The next couple lines are also pretty funny because it's like, "Hey, come to me soon! I really want to see you. You're my buddy. Uh, I, I need to be encouraged." Oh, by the way, I left some letters and some papers. Can you bring those with me? I got some work to do. Um, it's also cold here. Bring my coat. They, they didn't let me bring my things with me. So like Paul is, is not only like, you know, coming to Timothy for encouragement, but like some of his daily needs too. Um, and, and just kind of spoke to the fact that Timothy would have known exactly what he was talking about. He would have known exactly where those things were because they were so close. Okay? These were the type of friends that they could always count on to be there for when they needed them. They offered encouraging words. They stood in places where they couldn't. Paul was constantly in jail because of his passion and persistence in preaching the gospel. But he knew he could preach that without being ashamed. He knew that he could go to jail because Timothy will be there. Timothy will stand in my place when I'm taken away. I don't have to back down from these situations because I've got Timothy coming alongside me. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, a friend is always loyal. A brother is born to help in times of need. The last observation that I made was that Timothy held immense responsibility. Even though he was young, Paul trusted him to do some of the hardest things that he had on his plate. We know that Timothy specifically led the churches in Corinth, Philippi, Thessalonica, and Ephesus because of passages like this. 1 Corinthians 4:17 That's why I Paul have sent Timothy my beloved and faithful child in the Lord he will remind you of how I uh, of how I followed Christ Jesus just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go Philippians 2:19 through 23 This one's really important. This one's really kind of an interesting uh, picture into Timothy. It's also kind of a slap in the face to some of the people that Paul uh, worked on. I'll, I'll kind of point that out as I read it. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare all the others care only for themselves. Oof. Can you imagine hearing that? Like, my name's not Timothy. I think he's talking about me. Shoot. Um, but that, that just how much Timothy stood above and, uh, above and beyond these other people and his care for these people, his shepherding heart for these people. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served with me in preaching the good news I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what is going to happen to me here. First Thessalonians 3, 2, and 3 says, And we sent Timothy to visit you. He is our brother and God's co-worker in proclaiming the good news of Christ. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you were going through. But you know that we are destined for such troubles. And then lastly, the church at Ephesus, 1 Timothy 1, verse, verse 3 When I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and to stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. If anybody's done any reading about the church in Ephesus in here, you know that was an intimidating place. When Paul went there, uh, idol makers got mad because people stopped buying idols. They realized, I don't have to, to worship something that man made. I get to worship the thing that made man that seems like a better idea to me. And so all these people were, were losing their jobs and they were upset about it and a, and a mob broke out and they started chanting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. They ran Paul out of town. Somebody who is connected to Paul gets drugged into the, the courts and beaten to a pulp basically in front of the judge and the judge doesn't do anything about it. That doesn't sound like a great place to minister, but Timothy was there even without Paul he went there, and he led that church, and he led it well. That was his job. He started churches. He appointed leadership. He continually returned to make sure that the gospel was being uh, taught with fidelity. The hardest part, as we know, uh, and and this is one of the things that kind of happens in uh, 1 Thessalonians, there was a group of people that would follow them, and after they had taught the gospel. They came through and they, they made it their job to like confuse and divide these people. And so Timothy would constantly have to return to these places to make sure you're staying true to the word. You're staying true to what God has taught, not what man is trying to teach. Timothy was left in charge to make sure that the work that they had done, the groundwork that was there was not laid in vain. Timothy held immense responsibility. Okay. Okay. So far, for the historians in the room, this is all really interesting information. This is great. It's like, give me more of that. For those of you who are not historians, you're like, what's the application? How does this apply to my life? This is all great information about Timothy. Uh, what's in this for me? Okay, that's, that's an okay question to be asking. We've learned that Timothy was genuinely faithful. We knew that he was an encouragement to Paul as well as being encouraged by Paul and we knew, we know that he held immense responsibility in the church, and that would lead us to believe that Timothy was a fairly confident young man. Even if he was, um, if he's like me, he would have needed someone to continually remind him to stay focused on the truth, stay focused on what was really giving him that power. Uh, in verse six, we see Paul remind him uh, to be bold, to fan into flame. His spiritual gifts. It says specifically, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. This gift as well as the encouragement that Paul gave him came straight from the Holy Spirit. Let's not forget that all scripture is God-breathed. It's all inspired by the Holy Spirit. So through Paul, God was specifically telling Timothy, keep going. Don't neglect." your spiritual gift. We'll see that again in the next next verse, which comes from 1 Timothy 4.14. Paul says again, do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. 1 Timothy is reminded not to neglect his gift. Don't let it go. 2 Timothy received his gift from the Holy Spirit by the prophecy of laying on of hands of the leaders of the church. This is how we figure out what our spiritual gifts are. Some of us, if, if you're like me, you've probably taken those spiritual gift assessments, all right? And if you're like me, uh, you want certain spiritual gifts, and so you try to figure out what those questions are asking you, and you try to game the system, right? Uh, and, and if I get a certain score, I get this gift, and yes, all right? I have figured out how to beat that scheme, all right? That's not what we see here. We see Timothy Surrounded by those closest to him, in this case, it was the elders of the church, praying over him, laying their hands on him, and encouraging him to use the gifts that they had seen being used in him from the Holy Spirit coming out of him. This is one of the values of our church. We invite each other into real steps of spiritual growth through relationships. It is when we step into serving. It's when we step into small groups. It's when we get close to those in the church. It doesn't have to be the elders and the leaders. It's all of us. When we get close to people and they get to know who we are and they get to see God working through us, they will encourage those things and they will fan into flames along with us the spiritual gifts that we have. Paul saw Timothy's genuine faith. He saw his ability to lead. He saw his gift for teaching and encouragement. He saw that Timothy had the ability to lead where others couldn't. When we introduce ourselves to others, when we volunteer to serve, when we get involved in small groups, when we engage in discipleship, two amazing things happen. Number one, you get to know people and they get to know you. Number two, they see the gifts that you have the gifts you may not even realize that you have, or the gifts you may think to yourself, I really want that, but I'm not sure I really have it. And they will encourage that out of you. Now, here's the thing. You have to be intentional. You have to be willing to be open to that and to take that step. It may mean that you start serving in a spot that you're not super comfortable in, It may mean that you serve in a place that you're like pretty confident this isn't where my spiritual gift is. Here's the deal, guys. At Lighthouse and at Bluffton, we tell people all the time we have easy on-ramps and easy off-ramps. It's easy for you to get onto a team and serve. It's just as easy for you to get off of that team and to stop serving in that area. If we're doing our job here and we are building those relationships, that, that encouragement may actually come from us. Like, hey, you know, I see you serving in kids and, and, you know, you're doing a great job, but I see that you're a little uncomfortable at times. Maybe, maybe this is a better place for you to go. Vice versa. Maybe it's, hey, uh, I see you doing, you know, donuts. And every time the kids come up, like you get down on their level and you start talking to them and like, you're doing a great job with the little ones. Have you ever thought about serving in the nursery? Okay. And those are things that we just don't even, we don't even think about ourselves. All right. And, I promise you, this is not like most churches. Okay, a lot of churches that that some of us have maybe come from, you start serving in a spot and you are there until you die. Okay, um, that is not what happens here. All right, uh, not intentionally anyway. All right, we we try to let people uh, get on those those off ramps. Now, if you're really good at something, we, we, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, easy on ramps, easy off ramps. Okay, now all of that's great all right? And we're talking about gifts of the Spirit. The other big question that may be coming up for us is, how do I even know if I have the Holy Spirit? That's a great question, okay? And I'm glad that you asked that question so that we can kind of talk about that for a little bit. You put, you receive the Holy Spirit by putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your forgiver and leader. We talk about it all the time here. Uh, When I get a lighthouse uh, shirt, it'll be on the back of it. It's, It's called saying yes to Jesus, all right? It's saying no to myself and saying yes to his leadership in our life. It's acknowledging that we were born sinners, that there's nothing that we can do to overcome that sinfulness. That's our nature, and we need a new nature to overcome that. And that it's only by putting our trust in the fact that by God's grace, we may receive the gift of salvation because he sent his son Jesus to live the life that we couldn't and die the death that we no longer have to. That Jesus paid the ultimate price for our sins on the cross once and for all. It's done, it's finished. By placing our faith in that once and for all sacrifice, we are made one with the Father through the Son and promise the Holy Spirit to live in us forever. Salvation is the free gift of God's grace, extended to all and received by faith in his Son. That's it. It seems too good to be true because it is. All you have to do is say yes to him. Yes, God, I believe that Jesus Christ, God made flesh, died for my sins. And today I surrender to your leadership in my life. I commit my life to you. I ask you to do with me what you will. For those of us who have made that comment and and, and are truthful about it, we understand how terrifying it is to say something like that. It is not easy to surrender. It is not easy to trust somebody else with my life. But guys, we're not trusting just anybody. We're trusting the creator of the universe, the creator of you. That person knows more about you than you could ever hope to dream up in a thousand lifetimes. That's the person that I want to trust with my life. Now, the last thing that I want to camp out on before closing, and I'll give you a caveat, closing is like another 10 minutes away, so we're going to be here for a minute. Um, but it's that verse 7. It's that, it's that verse that most of us have probably heard um, a bunch of times in our life, um, but sometimes we take it out of context, kind of like, you know, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and then I'm going to make a free throw or something and win a game. That's not what that's talking about. Um, But verse 7 is very much like that, okay? It says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I grew up thinking that this was a glimpse into Timothy's character. And while it may be, it may be, you know, there may be some truth there, um, I don't think for a second that Paul would have entrusted churches like Ephesus to fearful and timid people. I don't think that's who Timothy really was. I think Timothy, like all of us, may have had his doubts and more than likely a humility that others would have identified as weakness. We all know those people. They're super gentle. um, They're super humble. And the world just eats those people up, right? Okay. But I believe that Timothy was the type of person that, that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 5, 5, when he said this, God blesses those who are humble. For they, in, they shall inherit the whole earth. Some of your translations use the word meek. They use the word gentle. Now, as a man, um, I don't know that I would ever want someone to describe me as meek and gentle. All right? Those are things that I would have said, like, you can keep that compliment. Thank you. Um, I don't want that. You can. You can have it. But then I started doing some, like, word study into what this is. So the, the New Testament was written in the, the Greek language, and the word that is actually used there is the word "prouse." Prouse is a word uh, that Jesus also uses in reference to himself in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. It means to exercise God's strength under his control. To be meek, to be gentle, to be humble is to display God's strength under his control. Some analogies that I saw uh, when studying this, I got it from a, a devotional from Tim Kite. He was talking about the fruits of the spirit from Galatians 5, and gentleness is one of those. He says that a sword in its sheath would have been a great image of that. The sword is the strength, the skill, the power, but the sheath is the self-control, the self-discipline. You don't just go waving a sword around, doing whatever. You're going to hurt some people if you do that. You got to put it in its proper place. You use it when you need to, but you keep it stored when you need to as well. The history of this word also comes from Greek military term. They used this word when referring to horses that they would have gotten and and brought down from the mountains. They were these wild stallions uh, that were strong and and beautiful. Um, When they brought them down, they would train them. Some of them would would pull wagons, others would race, um, and the very best were used for war. They retrained their fierce spirit, courage, and power and disciplined them to to respond to the slightest touch of their rider's leg. They could gallop into battle at 35 miles an hour and then come to a sliding stop at a word. They were not frightened by arrows, spears, or torches. Once trained, these horses were said to be prautes. To be prautes was to be taken from a state of wild rebellion, trained to be focused, disciplined, calm, and highly effective. It is also to be taken from an atmosphere of fearfulness, and made unflinching in the presence of danger. These stallions embodied strength, properly directed. They embodied power under control. Now, the words that really stuck out to me in that analogy were wild rebellion. So many of us, including me, think of wild rebellion as those who drink, smoke, and chew, and run with those who do, right? But wild rebellion is not that. Wild rebellion is all of us before we know Christ. Wild rebellion is self-leadership. It's saying, I know how to run my life. I know how to make my own decisions. I know what's best for me. I don't need any help. Now, that leads to all of those things that we just joked about, okay? But it also leads to people who are walking through life and, and thinking they've got everything figured out. If I just follow these rules, if I just be a good person, if I just do X, Y, and Z, then God owes me. God lo- will love me enough at that point. I'll earn God's favor. Guys, the truth is, Timothy was Prowse, just like we want to be. That's a, that's a compliment that I would take from someone, Right? through his genuine faith in Jesus Christ Timothy had been given all authority from the indwelling of the holy spirit the same authority that Jesus promised his disciples in Luke 9:10 okay Luke 9 and Luke 10 he proclaims that they will have the authority to cast out demons to heal the sick if anybody watches The Chosen, it's a, it's a really funny scene where he's like sending them out on their missionary journey. And one of them's like, did I miss a ceremony or something? And, and they're like, I don't feel any different. And it, that's the thing. It may not feel any different, okay? But you have been given all authority that Jesus Christ himself had because his authority, his power came from the Holy Spirit that he said yes to. He says this again in Matthew 28 when he says that, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Guys, this is the best part of this message. We have access to that exact same power. The same power that lived in Jesus. The same power that flowed out from Timothy. That helped Paul be encouraged in his roughest times. We have not been given a spirit of fear and timidity. That comes from someone completely different. That's where I think we take this verse out of context. There is a spirit of fear and timidity. That's not the spirit that that Timothy had, and it's not the spirit that God promises to us. We have Jesus Christ. We have inherited praetis, the spirit of love, self-control, and power the power that only comes from the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit and the authority that we are given by Jesus Christ, we now get to boldly proclaim the gospel without shame, without fear. Okay? Now, One of the things that I wanted to do before I close here is is talk about the next steps. We referred to that a little bit in our hosting notes, but on the back of your blue card, if you want to take those out, I want to kind of walk through that because some of them just need a little bit uh, extra uh, understanding. The very first one is not new. It's saying yes to Jesus. As if if this morning uh, you're hearing the gospel for the very first time, you're hearing that I can give my life, I can surrender myself to the leadership of Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, and you want to say yes to Jesus today, please mark that on your blue card. One of our other values that we, that we use here is that we celebrate big when God moves. People saying yes to Jesus is a miracle. That is a big thing, and we like to celebrate that. If you ever been here for a baptism Sunday, it, like cowbells come out, guys. like It's, it's a good time, all right? The second one is a 60-day Bible reading plan that is going to take you in an abbreviated uh, abbreviated uh, version through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Um, that's not reading the entire Bible in 60 days. That would take you like four hours a day, all right? This is going to take 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, we'll send you a link to the uh, to the reading plan. If, if you don't get the link, uh, you, if you don't sign up today, it's, it's on our website. You just go to reading plans and it's under the 60-day Bible reading plan. Um, but for those of you who have read through the Bible before, this is a good refresher. For those of you who have never read through the Bible uh, from front to back, this is a great way to start because this is going to give you a good understanding of what the entire story of the Bible is. The last one is an article from the Gospel Coalition that talks about the things that I talked about earlier. How do I figure out what my spiritual gifts are? I've said yes to Jesus. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, coming to church. I'm trying to do all the right things, but I still don't know what my spiritual gifts are. I don't know where to serve. This, this article will kind of walk you through some of those things that I talked about. Just start serving somewhere. Form relationships with people, and those people will help us to be called into the things that God has, has gifted us in. Each of those things are, are, are great next steps for this week, and I hope that some of you guys sign up for those things. The next thing that we're going to do is that we're going to sing one more song. And if you want to pray, we invite you to slip out of your seat. There are people who are trained to pray with you all around this room. They're actually like super excited to pray with you. That's their job. That's why they're here right now. You can come up and you can pray about any area in your life. You don't have to hold back. I always tell the story of how I like cried and, and just like, was belligerent on a lady's shoulder up here one day. It was the greatest time of my life because it was when I really realized one of my spiritual gifts um, and what God was calling me into. So don't be, in prayer. don't be embarrassed about that. We all need prayer. I'm gonna probably go back and get prayed on um, after this message. But I invite you all to stand together and I'm gonna pray over us before we head into that time, okay? Holy Spirit, I pray over everyone in this room who needs prayer now to listen to your nudging of them, to be bold, to walk to someone in this room, whether that's someone around the room or someone right next to them, and to receive prayer. I pray that you draw every person who needs prayer right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us.